Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 1. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started from, for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the stripe of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb, crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I speak in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we begin our Lent Cause sermon series 
on 40 days with Jesus. This we cover the next six Sundays. This course is full of life-changing encounters. And I want to encourage you to join any midweek Bible study group where we have detailed explanation of this course. The evangelist Canon J. John said, and I quote, If the resurrection of Jesus did happen, then the implications are breathtaking. Everything the Bible says about Jesus is true. God can be known as Father. Forgiveness is possible. Heaven is attainable. And death is just a short sleep before internal joy. Whether or not the resurrection happened is not just a fact of history. It is a fact that changes our future. In our Bible reading today in John chapter 20 verses 1 to 18, we shall encourage you to read and also keep your Bible handy if you're with your Bible or maybe on your phone. John described this in details in a very authentic way. The first thing he tells us is the story of Mary Magdalene and how she became the first to witness the empty tomb in verse 1. The question here is, why would John do that? In first century Jewish society, women were not considered reliable witnesses. There was a prejudice there. And so the fact is, why would John and the early disciples present this most important day of history with women as the first witnesses? The answer is simple, because that is what actually happened. It was not a made-up story. They were the first to see the empty tomb. And Mary, as we see from this passage, was the first to actually meet the risen Jesus. Number two, when they arrived, not only was the tomb empty, but obviously the stone that had been closed over the tomb had been rolled away. The second question is, who did it? Who did it? It certainly was not the Roman guards, because they would have been charged with the pain of death to guide that tomb. Something happened, and the stone was rolled away. Number three, we need to realize that Mary and the male disciples had no expectation of the resurrection. Even though Jesus had told them many times what was going to happen, the penny had not dropped for them. They were as shocked and surprised as anyone else. What you need to realize is that as Jews, 
They may have believed in a future final resurrection at the end of history, when mankind in general will be raised from the dead. But they had nothing in their worldview that would suggest it was okay or appropriate for a man to be raised up in the middle of history. So they were completely shocked. And so what we have here is not an ordinary story, but a surprised and shocked reaction of a number of eyewitnesses in verse 2. Then number four, when they go into the tomb, Peter, John, and Mary all see grave cloths in verses five to six. That is really strange. Some people say that it may be robbers who stole the body. If that is the case, then the robbers left the most important and valuable thing behind, which is the grave cloths. And then there was a final piece of evidence, a little folded up head cloth that would have been wrapped around Jesus' head in verse 7. Another question is, what is the significance of it being folded up? Well, in Jewish custom, as of that time, although there are many commentaries and views about this today. Even this practice is still happening in Africa today between a servant and his master. If you were to go and have a meal with a friend and you enjoy that meal, you would take your napkin, crumple it up, and leave it on the table as if to say, I love this meal and I'm coming back. If you did not enjoy the meal, you folded it up to say, I did not enjoy this and I have no intention of coming back. So the question is, why is Jesus' head cloth folded up? He did not enjoy death and he has no plans of going back there or going back into the tomb because it is finished. It's a done deal. He paid the price for me and you. He is coming back again to take us home. He's alive forevermore. And on the basis of this evidence, the Apostle John saw and believed in verse 8. It is one thing not to be in the tomb, but it's another thing altogether to actually show yourself alive. This is what Jesus did for me and you. In John chapter 20, we read that he appears first to Mary Magdalene in the garden. Over the next 40 days, Jesus appears to over 500 others on 11 different occasions. On every occasion, they are convinced he's alive. And as a result, their whole lives are changed. That is an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with Jesus, 
everything changes. Total transformation happens. Permit me to share a little story why this evidence can be so reassuring for us all. A couple in their 90s were having trouble remembering things. So they went to their doctor for checkup. The doctor told them that they were both physically fine and advised them to write things down to help them remember. Later that evening, while watching television, the husband got up from his chair to go to the kitchen for a snack. He asked his wife if she wanted anything. Could you bring me a bowl of ice cream, she asked. Sure, he replied. Do you think you should write that down to remember it? She asked. No, I can remember that, he said. I would like some strawberries on it, too. Do you need to write that down? She said, no, I can remember that, too. Ice cream with strawberries, he said, becoming a little irritated. I would like some whipped cream on it, too. Can you remember all that? The doctor said you should write things down, she said. For goodness sake, I can remember that. I don't need to write it down. A bowl of ice cream with strawberries and whipped creams, he said. None more than a little irritated. Off he went to the kitchen. About 20 minutes later, he returned with a plate of bacon and eggs. The wife stared at it for a moment and said, Where is my toast? So what does this story mean for us? The amazing news of Easter is that while we can't arrest the aging process in this life, Jesus' resurrection provides the ultimate promise that life has overcome death. And that therefore death is not the end. The Bible does not teach that death is the end. And it does not teach reincarnation. But it teaches resurrection. The whole glorious truth of the Christian message is that one man in the middle of history which is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, overcame death. And so we have the glorious promise that every single person who follows him will experience resurrection. Death is not the end. It is the beginning of an eternity with God, living in ageless sickness-free bodies, enjoying life at a far greater level than the most wonderful experience in this life. That is the great promise. Freedom from fear of death. And that is what Jesus bought when he died and rose again. 
And I want to conclude with this passage in John chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. And it says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And the question in that passage for me and you this morning is, do you believe this? That's what the Bible says. Do you believe this? And like I always do, I want to invite you, wherever you are, watching. If you don't believe, or you want to give Jesus a chance this morning to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, now is the time. Tomorrow might be too late to believe in Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. That is the encounter you will have that will change everything about you. David says, since I was young, now I'm old. I have never seen God changes. It's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, do you believe this? That Jesus died for you. He died for me. He paid the price for us. That through him, we might have eternal life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, wherever you are, I want to invite you to open your heart to him. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. From today onwards, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to give everything to you. Not 50-50, not half and half. I want to serve you. You remember what Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24? I will not serve the gods of Amorite, Hittite, Jebusite. I and my family will serve the living God. And I want to invite you my brothers and sisters, to allow Jesus to come into your life. Be your Lord and Savior. As you begin this length journey, 40 days with Jesus, let that hunger and thirsty for righteousness be upon you to follow him and walk with Jesus all the days of your life. Amen.